Hello and welcome to the Healing By Podcast. I'm your host, Shanika Moore-Clark. My mission is to provide listeners with enlightening conversations about all things healing. In this podcast, we explore the good, the bad, and the ugly in an attempt to inspire you to become your own best healer. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Tori Cottrell, who has been on a healing journey over the past few years. She has been dealing with over a decade of chronic illness, and she has experienced lots of healing through using holistic medicine like EMDR, brain spotting, brain retraining with primal trust, as well as lifestyle changes. In this episode, she explores her healing progress and she shares about um, her thoughts about ebbs and flows and she has just a wealth of information. In this episode she also talks about some of the setbacks that can occur during the healing journey like the loss of her father and how she is navigating the grief that she feels about this loss. In this episode I think you will be inspired and also you will be able to learn that there is not just one approach to healing and I hope that you will find this episode enlightening and that you will share with your friends. Welcome everyone to the Healing Vibe podcast. Today I am so happy to be talking with Tori. I um, initially connected with Tori on Instagram, and as you all know, Instagram is the great connector. (laughs) I um, have been, you know, really blessed to connect with lots of folks um, through social media. So I I think I saw uh, your page probably some months ago, and um, you were sharing aspects of your journey and I started following you and since then I've just really been very much um, inspired by the things that you're posting and so I'm so happy that you've agreed to join today as a guest and um, welcome to the Healing by podcast. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. It's it's a pleasure. It really is. Good. Well, I thought we'd start off by you sharing a little bit about your own journey and how it all started. Maybe share a little bit about maybe what life was prior and then what led up to your um, your journey with chronic illness. Oh, boy. <laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> um, I actually, um, I have been dealing with chronic illness for about a decade now. But prior to that, I worked in the medical field. Um, I was a medical assistant and surgical assistant, and I was going to school for, um, I was going to PA school um, to become a physician assistant. Um, And in about 2013, I started, I started getting some symptoms um, of high pain. I started having more anxiety. I was going into depression and everything seemed to happen 
all around the same time. It was about 2012, 2013 when everything started happening. And I started seeing my neurologist more often and there was a lot of testing done and um, I was getting no answers. Uh, the only answer that I was able to get was that I had the shingles virus and the shingles virus had attacked my neurological system and that's what was causing all the pain that I was going through. Um, and I had to go on FMLA at work so that when and if I was having symptoms, you know, I had to stay out of work. And it was stressful and it was hard because I went from a really, um, a place of so much confidence and so much, um, so much going on for my future. I had such high hopes for my future. And to see everything slowly start, my time I was being bounced around to different rheumatologist and different neurologist, and nobody seemed to have any concrete answers for me. So I was frustrated and angry, and um, I was in so much pain at that time that it was it was hard for me to work. It was hard for me to focus and go to school. So I had to put all of that on hold. And I went on disability in 2013 in hopes that maybe I could, um, you know, figure out what was going on, find a solution and jump right back into where I was in school and, you know, with my career. But that never seemed to happen. Um, I when I went into, when I went on disability, I almost felt defeated. I felt, um, I went into the biggest depression of my life. Um, mm. I, I kind of crawled in bed and I didn't get out for months on end. I, I had gained 50 pounds and I was in such a fight, flight, and fawn for, mm -hmm. for so long. Um, I sat and I ruminated on all of the things that I was missing out on in life and all of my symptoms and how my symptoms started to begin to define who I was. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, the anxiety, the depression, everything just, I lived in this sympathetic state, this dorsal vagal state for, for so long. And it was just, you know, an emotional roller coaster over the years. I've, I've seen probably in the last almost decade now, I've seen probably over a, over a dozen different doctors. Mm -hmm. And I never, and this is, you know, speaking from like a Western medical sense, there was never any concrete answers for me. Um, so I, you know, I felt just that extreme over overwhelm, rage, anger, frustration, the whole why me mentality, the victim mentality, the hopelessness. And mm -hmm. I had zero self-compassion at that time. I hated my body for doing this to me. I was so angry, um, you know, going from such a place where I felt like I had a bright future and into this place where my body was... I felt mm -hmm. at war against me. Yeah. There was like no connection, you know, to my body at that time because it just, it was my enemy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, over the years, up until about 2020 and 2020, 2020 and 2021, 
um, these symptoms kind of ebbed and flowed. Some, some days were better than others and some days were a lot worse than others. And um, I started having newer symptoms in the, in, during that time. Um, what symptoms that would later be defined as chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, and I looked for a chronic fatigue specialist in my area and I found one, she happened to be an integrative doctor and she actually, um, she was actually the first doctor that I went to who looked at the body as a whole, the mind and the body, the nervous system, everything, the, the full picture, instead of, you know, like seeing a Western doctor who looks at, you know, your blood results, your x-rays, everything that's not black and white on paper. This integrative doctor, you know, looked at me. She was also a Chinese medicine doctor as well. And she, she looked at me from a different perspective and she sat down with me and we talked about options. And um, so my vision, you know, as a person who worked my whole adult life in the Western medical field started to change from that point on, um, I had never really given like a holistic um, Eastern medical view a chance, but mm -hmm. I was desperate at that time. I was in, I would say in 2021, especially the beginning, I was bedridden. Um, it was hard for me to even get out of bed to take a shower. It took every every bit of strength I had to go to doctor's appointments. My parents had to actually take me to doctor's appointments a lot of the times because it was it was dangerous for me to drive at some at sometimes. Um, so I started with her, and I started with something called the autoimmune protocol. It's something that I. Um, did a lot of research on. And most people will look at the autoimmune protocol and immediately think about, okay, it's a it's an elimination diet and it has to do completely with dietary changes and that's it. But when you really look into the research that Dr. Sarah Ballantyne has done with autoimmune protocol, there's so much more to it. Um, they focus on things like um, sleep quality and sleep hygiene, stress management, movement, um, mm. grounding. And these are things that I had never done before. I was in a place where I was in bed for, you know, 24 hours a day. I had my blackout curtains shut, you know, all day mm. long. I never saw the sun. I was just in a horrible place. And I decided to take a leap of faith at that time. And I started changing small things, started changing my diet. I started focusing on moving around, even if it was just going outside, you know, putting my feet into the grass, feeling the sun on my face and just relaxing and trying to, you know, calm myself at that right. time. Yeah. At that time, I, you know, I didn't know I, I didn't really use the body mind connection. It, it was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a thing for me, it, it, you know, cause I was, I had learned, I had been trained from a Western point of view up until that time. So mind and body were not connected as far as I was concerned. But then I started, um, 
in May of 2022, someone introduced me into somatic experience therapy and I gave it a shot. And I found a woman um, who is a therapist near me and I started seeing her and she has completely changed my world. Um, Can you just pause for a second and just maybe share what, what is for people that might not know what exactly is somatic experiencing therapy? So somatic experience therapy, um, I initially saw her um, because I, it, it's kind of a, an approach of looking at the body and the mind connection, really. I started with um, her in May of last year, and um, she is the first somatic experience therapist that I'd ever seen um, up, you know, throughout the years. I had battled depression and anxiety and I had, I had spoken with many different therapists and it was more of a top therapy. There was never, there was, I was never given any substantial, you know, types of techniques to use that will help me get through anxiety or help me process trauma, trauma. Uh, things that I had gone through in my life, life up until I started seeing her. Seeing her. So, so, well, yeah, unfortunately, um, it's something that I, um, I talked to other therapists about that even when I was, um, being trained, there wasn't as much emphasis on the body and like we know now, you know, there is so much, um, you know, we, we have to connect with the body. The body is what stores, um, a lot of our, um, traumas and, I'm so glad that now we're learning even more that it's so important because of the communication between the brain and body and body and brain. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's absolutely important. So once you started with her, what other, um, you know, types of, did you jo- start any programs or like what, how did your, your journey continue once you started seeing her? We actually started doing um, some EMDR. Uh, we, we, we did brain spotting, um, which is a technique that actually works really well with me. Yeah. So we use that, we use brain spotting quite often. Um, okay. And just really quickly, um, I'll just share um, EMDR is um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. Um, and brain spotting is also, they're, they're similar, but different because they're both, they're using the eyes, like, um, movement of the eyes in order to help to reprocess, um, trauma. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. How was that for you? Like, was it, cause I've heard some people, um, really, um, benefited a lot from that type of therapy and then others, um, I've heard that sometimes it can feel re-traumatizing. What was it like for you? For me, I actually um, saw her earlier this week on t- on Tuesday, and we did some um, we did some brain spotting, and it is very intense, especially when you're going through something. Um, when you're going through those ebbs of life, it can be intense. But I walked into her office, and I was sobbing and crying because I've been going through a lot lately with certain um testing and just different things that are just you know taking over my stress right now and um 
I left that day after doing a full hour of brain spotting and I felt a sense of confidence and courage and I was smiling and I felt like a different person after, um, I've never gone into therapy before where I felt like a different person after. It works for me so well. It's one of those things I feel like is also um, bio-individual. I think, you know, there are certain techniques that will work with certain people better than others. And I think we're kind of finding out, for me especially, um, what works best for me and just moving forward with that. And I've made so much progress with her, um, over the past year almost. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Has there been, have you had other supportive measures that you've been using on your journey? I know, I think you've done, are you, you've done primal trust? Um, yeah. I don't know if you've done DNRS or any other brain retraining. Can you speak to any of those um, programs that you've um, also engaged in? Yeah, and it's funny because when I started um, somatic experience therapy, within the same month, I found Dr. Katz's um, Instagram page online and I listened to her mission statement and I was immediately drawn in because I could relate to the symptoms that she was experiencing when she was at her lowest, the chronic fatigue syndrome, um, the being bedridden. Uh, and I was immediately attracted to Primal Trust. And I started Primal Trust in the same exact month that I started Somatic Experience Therapy. Wow. So it was almost like the perfect storm arose, you know, last, last yeah. almost a year ago now. Um, and I did, and I started with Creating Calm at that time and worked my way. I went through Creating Calm two times um, last year. And I learned so much. And I think one of my favorite and one of the best um, exercises that I've learned with Primal Trust is the ABCs mm -hmm. and the creative visualizations. I do so well with creative visualization. Um, I would probably, I would consider myself a very creative person by nature. But when I'm able to go into this headspace of creating a vision for the future, and it can be anything that I want, I go crazy with it. <laughs> I spend, you know, you know, she says, spend about five minutes doing this exercise. I'm, I, I look up and the clock and there's 10 minutes gone by. And I'm, I'm just feeling enthusiastic and I'm feeling confident and happy and ready to start this next chapter. And it's, it's really changed the way that I look at the future and the things that I want to go, you know, shoot for in the future, um, despite my chronic illness. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I've also been um, a part of Primal Trust. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's just something about um, visualizations that it just kind of, for me, it, it, it gives me hope and it also connects me to the emotions that I want to experience. Um, and I think just connecting with your vision of the future, it mm -hmm. just like it's that energy of like, even though right now I may be feeling this way or I might be limited, feeling limited, 
I can create um, a vision of the future that I want and that I can work towards that. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I, I recently started, um, you know, with, within the uh, primal trust exercises and during the Q&As that Dr. Kat does, she talks a lot about work from Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. And I've started reading some of his books, and they've really been life-changing for me. Um, and the way that I look at, at healing and the way that I look at going into my body um, and who I am and how I can change, change things, uh, how I have that control. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a victim of circumstance mm-hmm. with illness. I have control over my destiny, my future. You know, yeah. I always thought that I, I, you know, I have chronic illness, I am disabled, and I'm going to die on that rock. You know, I, I spent so many years thinking, you know, that was just my destiny. And now there's these doors that have opened for me. And now I know that I can create my own destiny. And that's given me such a feeling of like I keep re- repeating myself. I feel, I feel like it sounds redundant, but I, <laughs> I feel such, such a feeling of confidence, you know, that, you know, whatever I may be going through these ebbs and flows, these, these small little cracks in the road, they're just that they're just bumps in the road that, you know, I've gone through it before. I've gone through even worse things before and I've made it through to the other side and I can do it again and again and things are just going to get better for me. Yeah, I love that. Well, that brings me um, to where I want to talk a little bit about, well, first before talking, because, okay, let me get back. I have so many times. <laughs> but I know that you've made lots of progress and I would love to hear a little bit about that. And I... I also know that um, in this journey, there are ebbs and flows, highs and lows. There are days when, you know, you're feeling like, oh, my God, I'm like 10 steps forward. And then something happens and then you're you're five steps backwards. I would love for you to speak a little bit about that. What has your journey, what has that ebb and flow looked like for you? So my ebb and flow has been quite unique over the past year especially um, when my father passed away in an accident. It was a freak accident. It was very tragic um, on August 30th of last year. And it just sent me to a place that I had never been. I had never felt such an immense feeling of grief in my whole life. It, It, you know, it was at that point, everything was kind of put to the side, my practices, my therapy, everything was put to the side. And it was all about survival at that, that point, you know, making, making sure I'm making myself eat, making sure I'm forcing myself to sleep, um, just doing the bare minimum of getting by. Um, and even that was hard. Um, And also, you know, I'm the eldest child of three, and I was helping take care of my mother during that time. And it was very, it was, it was incredibly stressful. I wasn't really taking a lot of time for myself during that time because I was taking care of so many other people. people. And three weeks after he died, you know, I had taken such a hit, my body, my mind, 
that I got COVID for the first time. Um, and I wasn't, I actually wasn't surprised because I wasn't really taking that great care of myself. And um, I kind of got back, you know, to a place where I was healing. And then a month, month to the day after I had healed, I got COVID again for the second time. Oh boy. And this time I'm still, you know, a little over five, about five months now later, I'm still dealing with those symptoms. Um, and in what's called long COVID. Um, so it's been a journey and every day that I wake up, you know, I can kind of take a, I take, I take a, like a inventory of my body and my mind. And if I'm feeling energetic, I get up and I turn music, music on and I like as I'm making breakfast and I feel good and I feel productive and I do my, you know, go through my day, um, getting everything that I need done. And then there's some days where I wake up and my energy is low and I'm a little bit down because I'm thinking about my dad or so I take time that day and I make space for that grief. And there's something about making space for things like grief, making space for things like anxiety, um, allowing them to just be, Mm -hmm. um, allowing the pain in your body, for example, to just be there, acknowledge it, feel it and baby it almost. Um, so, so those days I will take a little time and spend outside grounding and just taking care of myself. Um, so, you know, on those, those hard days, I really just take it easy and I know that rest is productive during that time. So I kind of just, you know, I remember that I'm, ma- I'm still making progress, even though I'm taking that time to rest. Um, yeah, I absolutely love that. And I love that you um, are sharing that on this journey, it's not all, you know, roses. Yeah there are things that come up, life happens. And Mm -hmm. I know sometimes we can wear rose colored glasses and we look at, you know, the healing (laughs) stories and, (laughs) you know, I'm going to heal and there's not going to be anything and, you know, all is well. And, and I think it's important to really, for folks to really understand that life happens and we do have, um, times in the journey where it's really, really difficult and that that's where you kind of really have to pull on your resiliency mm-hmm. and really dig deep into um, the things that are helpful. And I love that you even mentioned, you know, just going out and grounding or, yeah. um, and then also feeling the feelings and allowing them to be there because that in itself, that is healing. Um, so I'm so glad that you share that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, um, like you started pretty low bed, bed, bedridden mostly and, um, experiencing a lot of, um, symptoms. Have you seen like, what kinds of progress have you seen in your journey? Well, when I started um, making the changes that are a part of the autoimmune protocol, protocol um, and not just the diet, dietary changes, but also, you know, focusing on, ma- you know, making my sleep a priority. That was a big one for me because 
I was sleeping, you know, up to 18 hours a day at that point because my sleep was so disrupted um, and I wasn't getting regenerative sleep. So what I would do, you know, I started wearing like blue light blocking glasses at night. I started getting in bed earlier. Um, I started prioritizing that, that sleep hygiene. And then I started spending time outside. And I think I, I, I've said this many times on, especially on my Instagram page, that nature is the closest thing to heaven on earth. And I think nature has been really one of the biggest changing, changing points for me. Um, even just sitting, you know, walking outside and sitting, whether it be the middle of winter, the middle of summer, um, sitting under our apple tree and just breathing and looking at the, you know, the flowers and the garden and, I have a, a 12 and a half year old dog and he loves being outside and, um, you know, focusing on those things instead of turning it around and focusing on all of the symptoms I'm feeling. And it was within a month after I started changing those things that I really started seeing a difference and I was starting to get more energy and I was able to get up in the morning and start my day early and I was, you know, making my own food every day and um, I was moving and I was, you know, I was spending time doing things that I enjoyed without, you know, screen time. And um, then, you know, I think it was about six months after I started the autoimmune protocol was when I started therapy and it couldn't have come at a better time because I was ready to start, you know, moving into that next stage of healing. I had the energy to get up, go to therapy. I, I was, I was not bed bound anymore. I still had fatigue here and there. And I spent time, you know, allowing that fatigue to be, you know, making space for it, mm -hmm. uh, making space for any anxiety that I had, knowing that it was never going to last forever. Um, and I, you know, just kind of flourished after that and things ch have changed. It was, it's almost been a 180 since that time. And I look back now and I look at pictures and I look at journaling that I did from that time and I feel like a completely different person and it's, <laughs> it's been incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, all of those things that um, played such an important part in your healing and um, being where you are today. It's just so inspiring. Thank you. Um, yeah, I am very proud of you and your Thank progress. You. <laughs> um, if we can just maybe step back a little bit, um, and I, I do want to um, let you know that um, I know that grief is. Um, it's a process and mm -hmm. it is one of those inevitable um, emotions and experiences that we will all have at some point in our life. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that it can sometimes really, um, for in, I mean, for you, it, it was unexpected. And I um, one want to just let you know that, you know, I'm so sorry that you, have had to experience that because I can only imagine how yeah. hard it's been. What kind of um, 
advice would you give to people that might be dealing with grief, whether it's like the loss of, um, you know, a person or even like losing people, not even like just they're passing away, but like a breakup. Mm -hmm. But, you know, grief comes in different forms. What kind of feedback would you give to people? Um, I guess I would say this sounds, you know, like something that everybody hears when they're going through any type of grief or, or breakup or even, you know, grief and losing yourself when, you know, you become chronically ill, taking it day by day, um, taking time out from the day, even if it's just 15 or 20 minutes to, especially right after, um, my dad died and there was so much hustle and bustle around and people were coming in and out and, you know, it was, it was super stimulating time because people were, you know, coming up to you and hugging you and telling you how they felt. Just taking about 20 minutes and just removing yourself from everything and trying to get into the headspace of complete calmness. And that's where I would go outside, especially to my dad's garden. And I would kind of sit there and I would cry. I would, I would let whatever emotion it was that I was feeling kind of just take over. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that every day is going to be different. Even, you know, I'm at seven months in about, in about a week, it'll be seven months since my dad died. And it's so hard to believe because there are still days where I am just a sobbing mess thinking about my dad. Um, and I will see something that reminds me of him or I will smell him and um, I will just go into this complete state of, oh my gosh, I, you know, I can't believe he's not here. Um, so I just, I give myself grace. You know, that's one of the biggest things too. I think giving yourself so much grace, allow yourself to feel all of the feelings. And also another important thing too, is to have people you trust stand by you, whether that be, you know, um, your spouse, your mother, your father, your friends, your therapist. My therapist was an integral part of me healing um, or starting to heal after my dad died. She was on the phone with me constantly. Um, just being so supportive and giving me everything that I needed. Um, support is a huge one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all great. Um, definitely. Um, <laughs> we healing community and yeah, it's very important to have some type of a support system. I know that's not always possible for everyone and um that's why you know although you know (laughs) social media can be um too much but it's also what i found is that there's a really loving and supportive community yes um i've been so grateful that i've met some really wonderful people um through social media yeah yeah, social media. I I have a few friends that I talk to, and I, I my following is not that big, but I have met some incredible people all over the world who I can just sit and talk to for hours, just chatting. And you know, it's 
it's amazing the kindness and the sympathy and empathy that people can have on social media um, when the right people come along. You know, there's, there is a few people that I talk to on a regular basis that I met on social media and it's been pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, speaking about social media, um, I want to talk a little bit about your page. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I love your page because it's, you know, you share information about your journey, but you also share um, like, tips and most recently I remember looking at one of you <laughs> and you talked I think it was like the pooper it was something uh -huh. about <laughs> coffee enemas <laughs> and um I, the way that you phrased it was hilarious but it was like so helpful because these are the things that like sometimes we don't talk about but it's real yeah and I appreciate that you're posting it. So what when you started this page, what was your hope? And um, maybe share a little bit about what kinds of things you share on your page for people that might be interested in following you. Yeah. Um, well, originally, I started my page when I started my autoimmune protocol journey. I know that there's like a small community on Instagram and especially Facebook as well. But I was encouraged by a friend to start a page that had to do with, you know, the autoimmune protocol and my journey through the autoimmune protocol. And um, she said that it helped her, you know, kind of keep track of what she was eating and making sure that she was doing, you know, uh, kind of keeping track of everything she was doing. Like it was... Uh, kind of a journal for her. And that's what it kind of ended up being for me over time. You know, I was sharing what I was eating, different recipes I had come up with and reaching out to people who were also doing the autoimmune protocol. And eventually it kind of turned into, you know, as I grew out of autoimmune protocol, because it's the, the diet part of autoimmune protocol is not supposed to last forever. And I kind of went into, um, a paleo type diet. So I changed the name of my page to um, heal with Tori instead of Tori's auto, a, or Tori's AIP journey. And I started sharing all of the things that like the biohacking things that I was doing, such as coffee enemas. Um, I, I would always get, I would talk about the stories of coffee enemas or um, infrared sun or that I would get questions about, you know, just little specifics, like what type of uh, coffee and what type of coffee to use in your coffee enema. So I decided to start doing posts about that and how I do it. And sometimes, you know, I, I've really gotten into this habit of doing like as I'm reading different books about the nervous system and the body and the mind and body connection and generational trauma I will come across um, quotes that I really like and that apply to me and that I, that resonate with me. And I will share a little bit about why it does resonate with me. And I love doing that. It's, it, it is almost like a journal for me. Yeah. Um, and I love when people reach out to me and talk to me about it. Oh, I've been through that as well. Or, you know, asking questions. It's, it's fun. It's, it's really enjoyable for me, social media. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, yeah, I've also, um, I think I've reached out to you um, with similar questions regarding coffee enemas. Yeah. <laughs> You've been very helpful, so thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can 
Yeah, I can relate. Um, so as we're getting closer to the end, um, gosh, there's so much that um, I could ask you, but I guess I, I would love to hear if you could think about maybe one of the greatest lessons um, that you've learned through this journey, what do you think that would be? I'm sure you've learned lots of things, oh, but yeah. <laughs> maybe share one or two things that you've, um, you've learned that you think others can benefit from hearing. I think the biggest thing, the biggest change that I've made and the biggest thing that I've learned and possibly the hardest thing that I've learned is that being in a victim mentality is only keeping me down. It's, it's something that has held me down for years and years and years. Um, living in this cycle of this, you know, this perpetual, I'm never going to get better. My body hates me. My body is fighting against me. It's never working for me. And that's just not the truth. Um, your body is resilient and your body wants homeostasis. Your body and mind want the best for you. And these symptoms that are arising should be some, you know, it should be hints as to something that may not be going right in your life, but they shouldn't define who you are. You know, if you're diagnosed with an autoimmune disease or chronic pain or Lyme, don't let that be your identity. Um, when you allow that to take over as your identity. And I see so many people out there that say, oh, I'm a Lyme warrior and I'm a chronic pain warrior. And I've kind of changed my mind about using that terminology because I don't want to be known as the, the girl with Lyme or the girl with chronic pain or the disabled woman. I want to be known as Tori, this super resilient woman who has come so far and made such so many strides, even though so many things have worked against her and she just, you know, keeps on keeping on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. As you said that, like, I just felt chills, you know, <laughs> the identity. Yeah. I oh, so glad that you said that. Oh, mm -mm -mm. It, I feel oh. like so many people, you know, and, and I know it's easy to get caught up in, the diagnosis, it's, it's so easy, especially when you fought so long to find a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you're so much more than that diagnosis. You're, you know, there's so much more to me than Lyme disease. And there's so much more to me than chronic fatigue. Um, yeah, and, and I'm sure that it, it's absolutely 100% the same with everyone else. Yeah, absolutely, you know. And I'll also add that, you know, sometimes it's like we want to bond with people over our illnesses. And yes, there's a place for that. And yes, you know, it's it's good for us to have that support. But there comes a point where, you know, the, the identity has to kind of take a back seat and let's connect over, you know, what we love or let's exactly. connect over. <laughs> I love um, that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, even, or even different, you know, healing modalities. Like, you know, I am, I am suffering from Lyme disease now and I'm doing, um, I'm working with a holistic practitioner right now. I'd love to talk to you more about that. You know, I'm feeling better because of this or, you know, 
I'm doing grounding because that helps with my chronic pain. And, you know, instead of kind of just ruminating on all of these, you know, issues that you're having and talking about, oh, you know, going back and forth about how bad you're feeling, talk about how, you know, mm-hmm. how you can feel better, bring ideas up and maybe even get together with people to, you know, spend a day outside grounding. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I love that. Well, um, what's next for you? Like what may be exciting or fun or just things that you're looking forward to? What's 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 on the horizon for you? I have actually planned a trip to New York City. It'll be the first time I'm going with my brother next month for a few days. And then I'm going to Aruba on a family vacation um, in May. So I am beyond excited for these two trips. I cannot wait. It's something I'm looking forward to every day. I have a countdown on my calendar. I'm, I'm just very excited to travel because it's in the past, it's been hard to travel with, um, you know, not, not feeling my best and not having the energy to do all the things I want to do. But now it's, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Oh my <laughs> God. I, thinking of is um, sand. Yes. Sun. And, and clear water and sunsets and palm trees. And I, I can't wait. I can't yes. wait. It's going to be amazing. Gosh, you've, um, I think that you are a testament to um, someone who has been able to overcome so much. And I know that you're still on this journey, but you have um, made so much progress and you have um, grown in so many ways. And it's just really, you know, my goal for this podcast is to highlight people that, um, have become their own self healers and that mm-hmm. um, people can see that hope is possible. But also I'm not just looking for people that are like, okay, I'm all recovered. I think yeah. there's a benefit to showing that, listen, I've made so much progress. I'm doing really well. And I'm also still working on myself. And that is, I think um, that is the, 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 the switch that like, we're not just, moving towards like an arbitrary like okay I'm going to be able to do these things once I'm fully healed but Mm -hmm. it's like this continuous journey so I love that um that you are embodying that absolutely that's you perfectly said it perfectly (laughs) (laughs) well um before we end just any anything that you might want to share that we missed and then maybe um share again how people can connect with you Um, just exactly what you said, um, there are going to be ebbs and flows. And one thing I, you know, learned recently, I'm actually, I didn't mention this because, um, it is fairly new. I'm actually being tested for a genetic, uh, disease called Addison's disease. My dad had it and, um, it looks as if this might be a new diagnosis for me. But I am actually in a such a good state of mind that I'm keeping this positive outlook. And it's it's you know normally something in the past where I would I would sit on those symptoms and I would cry and cry 
days saying, you know, living, oh my gosh, not another, you know, not, not, not another issue. Now I'm just thinking, okay, this is just another small bump in the road. I'm in good hands and I'm going to be okay. And, um, life is always going to be full of these ebbs and flows. Things are always going to happen that are going to be out of your control, but you can control how you react. You can control, you know, um, what's next for you. Um, so, and I am, I am on Instagram. I am at heal with Tori and anybody, you know, I love talking to people. So anybody who wants to reach out, I am always an open book and I could, I will talk to anybody. <laughs> love that about you. Well, I am just, um, so honored and I feel so privileged that you've taken time today to talk to me and to share your story. I know that um, my hope is that people will see your story as, um, as a hope rope. And thank you again for being on today's podcast and um, to all of um, the listeners out there, I just want to thank you for tuning in to another episode. I hope that you'll continue to join, listen, and share with your friends. Thank you.